Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the house of God, mighty warriors of the Lord this morning. Are you ready to plunder hell and populate heaven? Amen. Open up your Bibles with me quickly to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Want to encourage everyone to get ready for what's going to be presented to you in the next few moments. We're going to hear from a living legend that seeks not his own fame, but the fame of Jesus Christ and the glory of his name. So I pray that every nursing baby will be brought in by the mother, that every worker out there other than security will come grab a seat, that there will be no moving around, but our attention will be towards the speaker because it's going to be a mighty move of God. So, Lauren, would you make that happen? 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 says, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing in kingdom, I give you this charge, preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great great patience and careful instruction. If you've been here for the third day in a row, can I see your hand raised right now? Let's make some noise for Jesus. Come on. Hallelujah. You've been preaching the Word of God. You've been out there doing what this is commanding you to do. God has called us to be preachers of the Word. Preachers are not supposed to just be behind the pulpit. They're not supposed to be those who just went to cemeteries, I mean seminaries. They are to be mothers and fathers, sons and daughters, grandmas and grandpas. Newly saved and senior saints alike are called to preach the Word of God. Without compromise, without shyness or timidity, for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. We are not the radical ones. We are the normal ones. The world has gotten so cold they think we're running a fever, but our temperature is set to that of Jesus. I'm doing just fine. I may be on fire to you, but I'm burning the temperature or the right temperature of heaven. And so, yes, we are strange and peculiar, but we are normal in the kingdom of God. We are that which Jesus Christ said he would use to build the church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. As the old preacher Steve Hill used to say, the devil's favorite day was Sunday. He would tell those lukewarm Christians, get up, get up, go to church. Find yourself a lukewarm preacher to scratch your itching ear and to tell you what you want to hear. Get up, get up. Steve Hill used to say that because he knew the devil could dull the conscience of people in a lukewarm church. I'm not saying we're the only one, but I'm glad today we're a church that's at the temperature of heaven. Can I hear an amen? I'm not here trying to put you to sleep. I'm not here allowing you to feel comfortable in your sin. Sometimes people say, Pastor, I don't know if I'm ready to preach the gospel. No, my friend, you were ready the day you got saved. Anything that makes you feel you're not ready is a devil's lie because Satan would want you to be introspective for the rest of your life, going on a spiritual journey to try to find the depths of your own inabilities and fix each one. That's a downward spiral, a bottomless pit. Find your identity in Christ. You are healed. You are whole. You are sanctified. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. 
You are who God said you are, and you can do all that he said you can do. The readiness today is found in Jesus. The competency today is found in Jesus. The mind and the thoughts and the words are found in Jesus. For you are seated in heavenly places with him today. And every spiritual blessing has been given to you. And you have the mind of Christ. When we go on now to verse 3, he says, For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine and said to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn aside from what is true. They will turn aside from that which is biblical, and they will turn aside to miss. But verse 5 says, You keep your head in all situations, endure hardships, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. The miss today that we hear is that there is no judgment to come. They say, my God would never judge anyone. And we say back to them, amen, your God will not judge anyone because your God does not exist. Amen. We agree with them that their God will not send homosexuals to hell because their God does not exist. Their God has no power. But our God will not only send homosexuals to hell, he'll send the greedy, he'll send the adulterous. He will do all that which is right and righteous on that day. But as we learned yesterday with Jared, those being sent to hell have first sent themselves there because Jesus did not come to condemn them, to send them to hell. Jesus came to save them. As C.S. Lewis says, hell is locked from the inside. Those who have made the choice to reject God, God will reject them. Those who forsake their creator will be forsaken by their creator. Those who turn aside from light will be handed over to darkness. And so that is the myth of our generation is that God will not judge, that God will not hold men accountable for their sins, that God will not have a day of reckoning, and he will. Every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You're not doing God a favor by going out and preaching today. You're doing yourself a favor to remember about the judgment to come and the great mercy of God. You are reminding yourself of the gospel every time you preach it. You are doing yourself a favor because you are refreshing others. And the Bible says you yourself will be refreshed. Amen. And so today with us we have the great honor of having an evangelist for over 50 years serving the Lord. We have the honor of someone who has gone all around the world and all around the United States of America preaching the gospel to remind us not what it was like culturally, but what it was like spiritually so that the baton can be passed to us so that we can have what they had. I asked you last night to get ready a picture. Would you put it up now of what the Jesus people experienced? The one who led him to the Lord was from the Jesus people. Here they are being baptized in the ocean. I would like to believe God today that we will see another Jesus people revolution here in our city and that even today at Lollapalooza so many will get saved that we have to go down to Lake Michigan and baptize them right there. In the name of Jesus, would you stand up? Would you stand up with me and give a big God bless you to the evangelist, the man of faith and power for the hour, Brother Scott Hinko. Thank you, my friend. Now let's, 
Let's give Jesus an expression of thanks. Come on, let's, let's blow the roof off and honor Christ right now. Lord, we love you. We honor you, Lord. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. If it's possible, be seated. I'm honored to be with you this weekend. I just have to tell you something right up front. If I walk a little funny and a little strange, uh, it's because a while back I fractured my leg and messed up an ankle. So it's not stopping me, basically. I just keep trucking along, kick the devil in the head, and do what we need to do. But I just thought I'd just let you know up front rather than, he looks weird. Well, that's all right. Whoa, hello, hello, hello. Shoes, laces, horrible inventions. <laughs> you know, we're getting ready for the third assault on Lollapalooza. And I think it's time, as I was praying, it's time to pay a little fresh attention to the words of Paul in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians 6, 10, he said, be strong in the power of of his might, not just strong in the power of Red Bull or whatever else. And on this final day of outreach here, having done all to stand, stand. So those are just a few thoughts I've had as I've been praying. I really have a message burning in the depths of my soul to share with you. I'm greatly burdened for the brokenness of our cities in our nation, but I know God has an answer. Micah 6, 9 is an interesting verse. It says, listen, the Lord is calling to the city, and I believe that includes Chicago. I have history. I have family roots here. I have preached in this city for over 30 years at different times. So I bring to you this morning an urgent call for action. Now, Scott, we've been on the streets. Listen to me and track with me together. Look, I want to give you a little word of advice. To reach the city is not that hard. Every day, you take a little more ground. One backyard, one family, one life every day. That is what you do to reach a city. A call to action, Psalm 68, 11, out of the, I'm using a little bit of the new living. I like it communicates to us straight in our face. The Lord gives the word and a great army brings the good news to Chicago and Lollapalooza. I am. Psalm 68, 2, why may your, word, may your ways be known throughout the earth and your saving power amongst people everywhere. A call to action for every nation, every state, every city, and every town. That's what I'm bringing to you. I've been called a lot of names in my life, but my wife and I have felt like God's called us as missionaries to America is the bottom line of the assignment Jesus has given my wife and I. What I'm bringing to you, I can't just preach everywhere. It would fall on deaf ears and be wasted. But to this gathering... I feel like I need to bring this. I'm trying to preach. I'm li I heard what you said. <laughs> you see, I, I'm 
concerned not just for this great city, but for our nation. And I'm going to speak very plainly with you. When you gave your life to Christ, your life no longer belonged to you. You are bought with a price. How many of you know that? Which means you are drafted. People say, Scott, when did you enter into ministry? The day I got saved, I was drafted into a lifetime adventure. As I shared within 90 minutes, knowing absolutely zero, I told somebody what had happened in my life. And I've tried to continue it for years. I know you heard that. But I want to get right to it. You and I, me and you, however you want to term it, are alive during an intensified divine call to action for the people of God. Psalm 11.3 says, when the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous well, what do you think, brother? That's not the point. How do you feel? That's not it either. What can the righteous do? The Bible throughout its pages issues repeatedly calls to action. You see, Christianity is not a spectator sport. This is the worst expression of Christianity we have. Good word, Pastor. A couple of bucks in the bucket. I mean, Christianity is not a spectator sport meant to be lived in the grandstand, the pew, or the bleachers, but in the arena of everyday life, every day. A few biblical calls to action, Ephesians 5.16, redeeming the time. Why? Because the days are evil. That's right. Ephesians 5.14. I like the book of Ephesians as well as 65 other books. <laughs> Wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. One of my personal favorites is that of Isaiah 60. Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. See, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the people. This is often where the church in America today starts. Ah, it's horrible. It's wicked. It's evil. It's nasty. Yes, and more. We see the darkness is covering the earth and the thick darkness is over the people, but we're not intimidated by it. Light is greater than darkness. Light works best in darkness. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Our times and our culture are demanding action from the people of God. Romans 8, 19, NIV reads like this. The creation is waiting in eager expectation. How many of you know what eager expectation is? In about an hour, you're going to be looking, you're going to be eagerly expecting to eat something. The creation is waiting in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. I believe that applies to daughters too. The world is waiting for somebody that has Jesus. Let me tell you what the world's not waiting for. Not watered down, tastes nothing like Jesus religion. Comatose religious systems on life support. Hyper hipsters. 
unable to address the deep longing of broken lost souls. A pseudo super spiritual perspective disconnected entirely from meeting the needs of hurting people. You know, if you're truly heavenly minded, you're all the earthly good. The world is not waiting for any of that mess, my friend, and we see it. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons and for the children of God to be revealed. It's time for the real thing. Sons and daughters of God. How many of you are here today? Filled with the presence of the living God. The fruit and evidence of the Holy Spirit plain to see. Possessing a passion for God coupled with a heart of compassion to serve. Well, I have to do this. Hey, we get to do it. Well, we have to go to the streets. No, we get to. We have to help people. We have to feed the hungry and clothe the naked. No, we get to. I have to preach today. No, I get to. To serve people regardless of their age their ethnicity or their social status. The message that the real thing speaks is anchored in the rock-solid truth of Christ's miraculous birth. I remember talking to a man one time, and he, and he said, look, man, this is modern America. Do you actually expect me to believe babies come from virgins? Now, he was older than I am, more educated, more worldwise. I looked at him, I said, sir, you don't have to believe in a lot of them, just one. The rock-solid truth of Christ's miraculous birth, his sinless life, his, his R-rated death on the cross, and his resurrection from the grave and his presence with us here right now. We have to be anchored, have the message, have the truth. I was reminded of a story in 2 Samuel 18 of a man by the name of Ahimez. And bottom line, somebody needed to run and bring a message to King David. And there's one young kid going, I want to run, man. I want to run. I want to run. I want to go. I want to run. I want to run. And they said, but, but in essence, you don't have anything to say. But I want to run. I can run fast. And so another fellow came. They gave him the message, and he ran. Well, Ahimez ran faster. He showed up at King David. He said, it's a Hamas. He runs like the wind. And he shows up. King David says, well, what have you got to tell me? Well, nothing. Stand over here. We need to run with a message. Now, I want to look briefly at some military terms with you. And I want to thank a man of God, Arthur Matthews, who wrote a classic book called Born for Battle. He was a soldier and a missionary. And during, there are four possible responses or even positions that can be taken during, during a call to action or arms. So I want to take a few moments and unpack these. Is that okay? Thank you for your permission. I'm from New Jersey. Look. When you're from New Jersey, you got to have a little attitude because you're growing up between Philadelphia and New York. And if you have no attitude, you don't survive. 
Number one, a call to arms, a call to action. First position, offensive. I don't mean that you don't take a bath or brush your teeth. But that you take the initiative to launch the first strike. You take it to the devil's front door to put it in our context. You are the aggressor. Street fighting terminology, you land the first punch. The second position is defensive. You are reactionary. You don't act until you've been hit first. You wake up one morning and every devil in hell is having a, 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 a camp meeting at your bedpost. And, man, you got two flat tires. The cupboard is empty. The milk is sour and the baby's crying. And you start out going, oh, God, well, at least you're moving in the right direction now. <laughs> but if this is your continual position in life, that you don't act until you've been struck first, God will help you. But you forfeit the strength of first action and first strike. Third position is a word called detente, coexistence by compromise. I love Jesus, man. You know, it's all right. I don't smoke and chew and run with those who do the old saying, you know. And, and, and I mean, I, you know, what you compromise to keep, you usually lose. You love Jesus, you're going to go to heaven, but you're going to go by yourself. My wife always says, we need to take as many people as we can. The fourth position is desertion. You quit. You know, I'm, sometimes I wish you'd quit and compromise. At least you're honest. But there's only one position for the people of God. If we are responding to the Holy Ghost and the word of the living God, that we launch the offensive, that we take it to the devil's front door. Look, do you know the only reason a church exists is to keep people from going to hell in the community? I hear a lot of people talking about discipleship, discipleship, discipleship. I was in a pastor's meeting the other day, and he said, Pastor, a great man I love, he said, well, what about the word convert? It's not even in the Bible. I said, well, if people aren't converted, they can't be discipled. First step to discipleship, get saved. Duh. Jesus said, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Here's the story. If you are following fully, you're fishing. If you're not fishing, you're not fully following. If you are, I'm going to obey your pastor. Matthew 4, 19, follow me, and I'll make you, make you fishers of men. If you are Following fully, you're fishing. If you're not fishing, you're not fully following. I was one time speaking in a Bible college. 
to third-year ministry students. And I just said what I just said, and I heard a lady, have you ever wanted to become invisible? Because <laughs> I heard this lady say, middle-aged lady, third year, not like just got saved off the streets. So she had a little going with her. She said, oh, when I just said what I just said, oh, I, I, I thought I just had to clean them. Do you mean I have to catch them? And I'm like this, and then I start to walk backward thinking, I, hope she, I, I wish I could be invisible. I don't want her to know I heard it, but I did. <laughs> Look, you may be a better cleaner than catcher, but every now and again, drop out of line, okay, or you'll be out of business. And on the other side of the story, if all you do is catch and you never give any thought to what's going to happen afterwards, you're irresponsible. One position, launch the offensive, engage, attack. Again, take it to the devil's front door. That's what I like about what we're doing and what's being done here. Once again, we've got to do it not only in a group, but individually. This underscores the primary reason for this unique gathering. I'm, where can we begin to respond to this call to action? A little understanding goes a long, long way. Proverbs 11.30, you know the verse. He that wins souls is wise. There's three primary factors which help determine how you respond to a call of action. Number one, now this may seem like I, I don't need to say it here, but you need to have a strong personal working belief system in evangelism. Uh, I can ask any group of Christians across America, do you believe in evangelism? Everybody's hand goes up. Then I ask them, what is it? I was in a pastor's meeting, and, 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 and I had a pastor's wife say, it's, it's the love of Jesus. I looked at her with a smile on my face. I said, no. <laughs> I said, we do it because of the love of Jesus. How can you believe in something you don't know? let alone do it. It's preaching the gospel. It's sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. From a pulpit, a conversation. Look, if the gospel is going to be preached, understand this. It must be put into words. Have you ever heard a statement, be a witness at all times and use words if necessary? Eliminate that from your vocabulary. I'm going to give you reasons. Number one, it's attributed to St. Francis of Assisi. He was a preaching machine, so why would he tell you to be quiet? Secondarily, uh, a fellow by the name of Dwayne Litvin, who was a former president of Wheaton College, wrote an incredible book called Word Versus Deed. Maybe a little more information than you're interested in. But in this book, they did research through the Franciscan order, the order of St. Francis. There's no record of him ever saying that. Thirdly, if a guy like this were to tell you that, he would be telling you that your 
your deeds, your actions pave the way for your words. What we do, we serve, we help, we feed, we educate. Those things are building a bridge. And the only reason you ever build a bridge is to bring something more over somebody across. Fourthly, and most importantly, the context of that statement in which is usually used violates the teaching of the New Testament. Whenever you see the word preach in the New Testament, often it means verbal, audible, words. I just need to clear that up because I hear that phrase oftentimes and I want to go, ah! So I just did that here. But how you respond, number one, having a strong personal working belief system in evangelism. You believe in it. You know what it is. You know who should do evangelism just for group's sake. Who should do evangelism? Oh, good. Let me ask you this. And I know this may seem a little silly in this group. But how many of you believe you can be used by God to reach others? How many of you believe Jesus can save? How many of you would dare to believe Jesus can save anybody? Now, I mean, think of the worst, most unlikely person in your world. Some of you may have fit that. I did. How many of you believe Jesus could save that person? You got a little quieter. That means you think he gets good. How many of you would dare to believe Jesus could save that person even using you? So number one, have a personal, I call it a working belief system in evangelism. Secondly, have an expansive vision. John 4, 35, again, I'm using the new living just for conversation. Say, you know the saying, four months between planting and harvest. But I say, wake up. Some people say, smell the coffee and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. Look at the, why, why are you going to Lollapalooza? All of those heathen crazy people down there listening to that wicked music. Why are you going? Because I see the possibility of people coming to Jesus Christ. All the years I've led an army to the Mardi Gras in New Orleans. I remember a pastor looking at me one time and said, Scott, I wouldn't go to Mardi Gras as as a sinner, much less now as a man of God. I had a lot of thoughts I didn't speak to him. <laughs> but I believe people can find Christ there. They come from all over the world, yet crazy, drunk, naked, weird, and insane. <laughs> and yet we conduct a great meet and greet. We greet you and want you to meet Jesus. <laughs> and it's, how many of you have ever been there before? I should show my video from there that we just did. It's encouraging. It's set to the, the tune of that song, I Speak Jesus. You see, you see the possibility of people coming. When Jesus said, open your eyes, you see the possibility of people coming into the kingdom of God at Lollapalooza. You see the potential that their lives might have if captured by Christ. You see the reality of you being actually involved in the reaching process. 
that's a vision for harvest. It has to do with people. Thirdly, how do we respond to a call of action? One, have a belief system in evangelism and spreading the gospel. Number two, have a vision. Number three, I put intentional strategic action. There's four words that describe effective evangelism in a church or a minister or an individual. I want to give them to you very quickly. Number one, evangelism is visible, must be visible. No stealth, no backwards, no under the, under the covers kind of deal. Never apologize about spreading the gospel. In a church, man, what we're doing here is to bring people into the kingdom of God. Now, we may not be obnoxious or this or that, but that's our point. Secondarily, it must be intentional. Why are we going to Lollapalooza to preach the gospel and see people come to Jesus? End of story. Thirdly, it must be personal. That you exhibit a genuine interest and care in people. Have you ever looked at people? And your heart breaks because you see the condition, the oppression, the work of Satan in their life, the marks of the devil all over them, and something happens on the inside of you. Maybe you remember a little bit. Whenever I see a guy living on a park bench or this or that, it's not, there's no us in them. I see me. Oh, I'm not depressed or this or that. But I'm grateful for the grace of God. People say, how are you doing, Scott? Better than I deserve. Uh, they tell me somebody on the radio said that. I've never heard it. I know I should have died and gone to hell a long time ago. But by the mercy of God, my life was salvaged. And whether you're a drug addict, gang member, tattooed on the back of a Harley and smell like a sewer, or sophisticated, squeaky clean religious with Chanel number five rolling, I mean driving a Bentley, <laughs> your life was salvaged by Jesus Christ. Number one, effective evangelism is visible. Secondly, it's intentional. Go ye. You can't get more intentional than that. Thirdly, it is personal. Look somebody in the eye. Smile. Use a breath mint. Oh, Scott, what do you mean? How many of you have ever had somebody pray for you that needed one? And your knees begin to buckle. And it's not God, it's garlic. <laughs> Fourthly, effective evangelism is practical. You speak God's truth. You meet a personal needs, a simple conversation. This city and our nation is being flooded with evil and wicked darkness. How do we combat the darkness? Three avenues to attack darkness. I'm unloading a lot with you today because I believe in making this investment. If it's just for one, one, young man or young woman that somehow wraps themselves around what's said and moreover the call of God on their life, everything is worthwhile. Amen. 
How do we deal with the devil? How do we, you know, sometimes you talk about spiritual warfare and people get weird. Have you ever noticed that? I'm going to fight the devil. I don't think so. Are you serious? I got to exercise self-control here. I'm going to give you three ways to conduct effective spiritual warfare. Number one, it begins with your life. You can have all the right words, all the right songs. You can quote everybody, but, and you can scream and shout, but your shout will have no clout unless our heart and life is right with God. Number, I mean, the greatest weapon in the hand of God is a clean heart. I'm not saying that can, to condemn anybody because that can be rectified in a matter of moments. Secondly, this. Empowered prayer in worship. I don't mean hot music with religious licks, lyrics. I'm a musician. I played in the Jesus rock and roll band a long time ago before it became whatever they call it today. But you know the difference. Good stuff on the radio, gospel stations. But you come into the house of God and the place is permeated with the presence of God as people worship and pray. The third way you can effectively conduct spiritual warfare is by preaching the gospel and leading people to Jesus Christ. I'll, I, I venture to say when some of you got saved, there were less drugs flowing in your neighborhood. When some of you got saved, there was less, there was less darkness circulating in your home or in your school or your workplace. Those involved in gangs, when you got saved, man, gang warfare is impacted. I mean, we could go on and on and on. But the preaching of the gospel is an effective way to conduct spiritual warfare. I don't want to go on and on. You, there's a great mission ahead. But I've just shared with you a call to action for today for tomorrow, and for a lifetime. I'm going to be semantical with you for a moment. I don't do outreaches, I don't do mission trips, and I don't do evangelism. What? On one of our teams, we've been to Cuba a number of times, and our team would have kind of a, uh, a debrief in the morning, and one fellow, I mean, very, it was all right. He said, you know, I've done this outreach, I've done this mission trip, I've done this and I've done that. And I thought, not being self-righteous or better than everybody else, God forbid. Amen. I'm trying to end it real quick. <laughs> and I thought, I don't do these things in the context that we talk about. I made a decision that I want my life to count. The steps of good men and women are ordered and directed to the Lord. Yes, I participate. I lead. I do these things. But I don't do them like you do pizza. 
I've chosen to live my life on mission. And it's funny, when you choose to live your life on mission, the things that God opens up. I got to tell you this one, can I tell you one more story? Thank you. I had to go to our community office in the city that I live, one of the offices there, and I had to pick up a document. As I walk in the building, there's two policemen talking to this one lady. Uh, this lady's vocabulary basically consisted of a lot of four-letter words. I'm at the window trying to conduct my business. I get a tap on my shoulder from one of the policemen. He says, does this offend you? The Spirit of God checked me for a moment. He said, does this offend you a second time? Talking about the, the lady's profanity. I said, sir, I'm a minister. I've heard this language a lot. I prefer not to hear it. Then as I turned and looked at the lady, she looked at me. She says, I'm a godly woman, blankety, blank, 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 blank. And I raised my arm and pointed my finger. And she said, unless you're going to pray for me. And I raised my arm and pointed my finger and said, I pray you get peace in this situation, that this situation is settled rightly. I turned around and got my piece of paper left. <laughs> but I was in a position. It wasn't a preaching, witnessing missions thing. It's like I was just trying to do this not-too-happy piece of business. But I get to live that way. How about you? You see, we must respond to this call of action in every way, shape, and form. The strength of these outreaches is that we live our life on mission the day after. And then it gets ramped up when we come together with a bunch of radical kamikazes and we share the same passion. So as I prepare to pray with you, maybe today you, you need to shake off a little weariness. I understand. Maybe you experience some crazy stuff out there. Um, maybe some rejection. You shake it off. You know, I was reminded of a verse, Psalm 92, 10. I have been anointed with fresh oil. I want to pray with you this morning that we receive fresh oil, a fresh anointing for today. What happened the last two days is great. Today is a new day. We're not going to depend upon the oil from yesterday or the day before. But the Spirit of God has something fresh and new. Can you receive that today? Will you stand to your feet with me for just a moment? I want you to begin to stand to your feet and give God thanks. Thank Him for some things in particular in your life. The Bible says that God inhabits the praises or the thanks of his people. Lord, we honor you. We thank you today. We thank you, Lord. I thank you that the Spirit of the Lord is upon these young men and women here today, anointing them to bring good news. Lord, the recovery of sight for the blind, 
the healing of the broken heart. God, the restoring. God, I thank you. We thank you for fresh oil here today. We receive a fresh anointing from God today. Lord, a fresh pattern for our steps to be ordered and directed by you. Lord, you said that he that wins souls is wise. A fresh infusion of wisdom from heaven to bring the gospel today. Come on, let's pray. And if you pray in the Holy Ghost, pray in the Holy Ghost. Lord, we receive fresh oil, fresh oil, fresh oil, fresh oil, oh God, fresh oil, fresh oil, fresh wind, fresh strength. Friend, open our eyes that we would see the harvest. Open our heart. Open our ears that we can hear from you today. Come on, let's take a little while longer and pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in your mother tongue. Go on ahead, God. We worship you. We receive from you here today, God. We thank you, oh God. God, we thank you for divine appointments today. Lord, we thank you. God, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that from eternity past, you had the plan and the direction for this day already laid out. We thank you for that, God. Oh, we love you. We honor you, Jesus. We honor you, God. Come on, let's press in just a little bit more. Let me hear you cry out to God. We love you, we honor you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Oh, Jesus. Come on. Thank you. Yes, let's give God thanks. Come on, let's clap and give God thanks. Give him an offering of thanks. Lord, we are. on it last night but I want every one of us should be sharing our faith preaching speaking the gospel with other people that's part of the normal Christian life Jesus said you're the salt of the earth alive well you were designed for influence for the kingdom of God but then there are those and you have an itch in your soul and the only way it's scratched is by telling unsaved people about Jesus. I am giving you a very practical definition of an evangelist. Every one of us should share our faith. But then there's those, I personally prefer to be around unreached, unchurched situations, scenarios. Maybe it's because of my background, it makes no difference. I think better in a heathen environment, actually. It's just me. 
But there's those of you here today, several of you raised your hand. You, you're called as an evangelist. Again, you may preach in crusades, in crowds. You may preach on a street corner. Or you may sit in a coffee shop all day and talk to people about Jesus Christ because that's what you want to do. You're an evangelist. And if that is, if I've just described the call in your heart in life, I'm going to ask you to leave and come up to the very front here. I want to put my hands on you. says, God, I've never thought of it that way, but I've kind of wrestled with it. And I'm not trying to make an idol of a title. But I've just described what's in your heart, what's in your passion, what you, you just got to do it. When pastor asked me to come, we were in Mardi Gras. I said, would I come up for this? I said, sure. Why? Because number one, you're doing what you do. There's more, there's a need for greater voices. There's a need for voices in the school, in the workplace, everyday life. Maybe in a community office you get set up like I was. That's the only reason I shared that. Plus it was kind of recent. But as I put my hand on every one of you, need to lay some things out before I put my hand on you. Number one, that you commit to live for Jesus Christ, period. Secondly, you choose to be a man or woman of the Bible. When I go to Cuba, a communist nation, I will often preach on being a people of the book, the Word of God. You'll commit to the Word of God. You will commit to prayer. You will commit to being a part of a church. It's a great one. Fifthly, you will commit to having a part of the Great Commission every day of your life by the grace of God. You choose to live your life on mission. If you can't connect with any of those, I just ask you to kind of slip back because I don't want to put my hand on you. Is that okay? This is serious times. I want to start here, and we have two and three deep. So after I pray for you, maybe you can kind of step back and let the back row come forward. Is that all right? We're going to take a few minutes here. Well, Father, we thank you. Father, I thank you for the Spirit of the Lord being upon them. God, I thank you that you've given them a voice. I thank you that you've given them passion. I thank you that you'll give them wisdom. He that wins souls is wise. God, I thank you for your grace upon their life. Father, I thank you for the spirit of creativity that will rise up and loose the gospel in very creative and clear and unmistakable ways. Father, I thank you for that. Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we love you. We honor you today, Jesus. Thank you, oh God. Father, thank you in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Lord, I know I can't call them to ministry, but I ask if there's anything that can be imparted from you to them. Let it happen today. In the name of Jesus. 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 Are you standing? Are you 
understanding. Hallelujah, Father, in the name of Jesus. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. If I can have the next row come up here, please. Hallelujah, Father, in the name of Jesus. Jesus, thank you for this little one. Oh, God, thank you for this little one. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, thank you, oh God. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. We honor you today, Lord. Jesus, we thank you. We praise you. Please come forward. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hallelujah, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for firebrands. God, thank you that the word is burning. It's a fire in their bones. Jesus, thank you for that today, oh God. Thank you that you will give us divine appointments, clarity of mind and purpose and speech to communicate the truth that really matters. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for that today, oh God. God, we love you. We honor you today. Jesus, thank you, oh God. Father, thank you for boldness. Father, thank you for the, the Spirit of God flowing through these lives, Father, supernaturally. Lord, today we honor you. We love you. We thank you, oh God. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for a new generation rising up. The surprise generation to bring your word in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, oh God. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh my goodness, I'll come back again. Hallelujah. Yes, sir. Bless this little guy, Father. Thank you. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for this family, God. Thank you that it's a family called corporately and individually. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, oh God. Thank you, God, that your word will burn like a fire in his bones, Father. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, oh God. We thank you. We thank you. Hallelujah. Let's give God thanks for a moment. Lord, we thank you. Wow, this is amazing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Yes. It's, it's been an honor and a privilege to be with you. I just want to mention, we bring, we bring resources. And I know you believe in resources. I can see by everything out there by Pastor Joe. But my passion is to tell people that Jesus can change their life and help other people share the gospel. A few things you might find helpful. One of them is a little booklet I wrote several years ago called Christian Come Out of the Closet. It's not about that. It's a simple one-hour read that helps people just get started telling other people about Jesus in everyday life. Secondarily, recapturing the primary purpose. A manifesto for third millennium reformers, that's us. This puts the Great Commission back at the top place of priority. It has drifted in spirit-filled Christianity, and there are a few sacred cows that have been wounded in order to put the Great Commission back where it belongs. Thirdly is the book I never wanted to write. It's called Surprise, Living Life in the Unexpected. I never wanted to tell our story, but I realized God is raising up a surprise generation to do surprising things. And the title for this book simply came, I went to a high school reunion. I was in three high schools, but I was the first student ever put out of one high school for drugs. That's the reunion I go to, the school I was put out of, because they knew me the best. 
And I'm, I'm standing there in a banquet hall, and a former classmate comes up to me and says, Scott, I, I heard you're a minister. I said, yes. He said, I was surprised. I said, so am I. But in this, we share our, how God launched us out. My wife came out of Gang Street Road with a motorcycle club. Uh, you'd never know it if you ever met her. She's probably a better preacher than I am. But, uh, and I just unfold that, especially if you feel called to ministry. I know if guys that, you know, grew up in ministry and go, well, my dad was a pastor. We were in youth. I wasn't like that, man. We started preaching on the street, street rallies from Harlem to Hollywood and all kinds of stuff. But we share that story here. Finally, um, I want to add to your wardrobe of gospel preaching. And this is, we're seeing an army outfitted unofficially across America. It simply says, Jesus Christ will change your life. That shirt preaches. Um, this is an extra large. Anyone here you would wear, it's an extra large if I gave it to you. Anyone interested in that? All right, I see this over here, right? Yes, 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 ma'am. Yes, ma'am. There's something for being in the front row, yes. I just want to pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for this battalion that you've raised up here in this city. Father, I thank you that this will be a day of great harvest and great impact. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor Joe, thank you very much.